Hey guys, Wesley Crum here, W. Crum Bladesmith, and you are listening to the Work For It Podcast. Hey, 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 guys, we are back at it again with another great interview, and we have the one and only Forged and Fire alumni, Wesley Crum in the house. Wesley, how the hell are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Glad to be here. Yeah, man. My, I'm, first, I'm ex- my first podcast, so you're thank you. we're, we're getting you broke right in on the podcasting train, dude. You are <laughs> a fantastic, you are just a fantastic knife maker. And a great, one hell of a guy. We we had the opportunity to meet over at Blade Show in Atlanta, and man, that was such a cool experience for sure. Yeah, it was. I, Blade Show was, like you said earlier before we started recording, man, it was just, by the end of the day, you're just spent because it's just emotionally <laughs> and everything. And uh, Josh Howard, good buddy of mine, Dear Lit Ridge Forge, um, I met him there and uh, as soon as I walked in the pit that night, I just made a circle around, and my jaw just dropped. I was like, there's Steve Schwartz, there's Jason Knight. There's all these people <laughs> that I've just completely drooled over their work for, for years, and he just and I, I was just overwhelmed, and he just said, welcome to Blade Show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely it's a different experience. It's really cool, and anytime you get a bunch of knife makers together, it just – you know, the nature of knife making is so solitary. You're out working in your shop all alone. And we make ourselves friends on Instagram through, you know, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you know, there's multiple little communities that grow. And when you can get those people together, it's just, it almost feels surreal. Yeah, it's it's unreal. It is completely unreal. So, Wesley, we'll come back to Blade Show, of course. You know, there's a lot of different topics we want to talk about, but let's let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about you. What's going on in your shop this week? This week, I'm just kind of finishing up a few things, but I, honestly, I'm not being able to get in the shop just a whole lot right now because we're in the middle of just a huge drought. And yeah. as soon as after, you know, as soon as I get started on something, I got to leave and go chase a fire. So, <laughs> oh man, oh man, that sucks. You know, but we're supposed to get some rain tonight, so maybe that'll kind of calm us down a little bit. Right, right. So you have on your Instagram that you're from Mississippi. Is the forest fires in Mississippi? Yes, yes. Oh my goodness, because when I think of Mississippi, I think swamps and bogs and, you know, <laughs> so humid that, you know, you can heart, you can swim through the air practically. That's That's true for the most part. But there's some hills and hollers, and right now the humidity has been in the, you know, the 20s and the 30s mm. for weeks at a time. And you get the humidities down in the teens here in Mississippi, and you fart and it starts a fire. You know, it's really <laughs> that bad. It's that so, bad. And, and it don't really get a lot of, um, it don't get a lot of coverage because I'm not going to get political on this or anything, but sure. it's not burning up. Hollywood starlets houses you know what I mean <laughs> yeah plus in our terrain our terrain and stuff and as many roads as we have we can usually stop our fire average fires probably around 20 25 acres we sure. can usually stop them out pretty quick you know the ones out west they they get to taking off and you can't catch them they just go right. which I've been on those too I, I know all about that so you're not a full-time bladesmith you're a firefighter by trade yes sir that is, a, first of all, thank you for doing that work. 
that is putting your life on the line to save other people and just saving the wilderness in general, man, I I have to get you know, hats off to you for sure because that's that's a hell of a job. Well, I appreciate that, man. So you've got a bunch of fires going on right now. So is there it has there been massive losses? Have you guys been able to kind of contain things? Because I mean, it's it's such a scary job. If something goes wrong, I mean, it goes wrong in a big way. Yeah, it can uh, shit can go haywire in a second. That's for sure. But for the most part, uh, we've got we're really good. I mean, I, I work with a really good bunch of guys, and um, we've got a lot of experience. Most of us do, so mm-hmm. we've been able to keep them stomped down pretty good. That's good. I mean, at least you guys are successful for the most yeah, part. Yeah, we anyways. do. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So when you're out west, there has to be some crazy horror stories about you know things going going sideways on you. Uh, not really that bad on us. Usually we go out as a uh, type two initial attack team, which that means there's usually a, either a 20 man hand crew or a um, you know seven to 10 man suppression module. And most of the time, the fires we're on, we're not directly engaging the fire. We're a lot of times just kind of improving line that have already been put in. Now, you get, like, your smoke jumpers and hot shots and stuff. That's the ones that, which we've, I've worked, we've worked with some hot shots before. And uh, let me tell you, those guys are machines. Like, they're not, they're sitting there with their, I mean, we're sitting there stopping for five minutes with our tongue dragging, and they take a break and start doing push-ups. You know, it's. So, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta let me in on, so what exactly does a smoke jumper and hot shot mean? I. Uh, a hot shot is kind of like, I guess you would describe them as like the Navy SEALs of firefighting. It's an elite group, usually younger guys, skinny guys, you know, uh, opposite from me. So <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> and yeah, and so they're um, they're usually ones that go go in and try to whenever a dozer or something cannot handle the terrain, they'll usually call some smoke some hot shots in to uh, cut hand line you know, through the rugged terrain, like the mountains and stuff like that. Wow. And then we'll come in behind them and kind of improve their line and, and mop up behind them. That's kind of what a Type 2 initial attack does. Now, smoke jumpers, those are the real crazy bastards. They will jump out of a plane with nothing but what's on their back. I mean, they'll drop them some supplies and stuff, but when a fire is, like, really remote, like a, a, a truck or nothing or those or anything can't get to it, They'll drop them dudes out of a plane onto like a two or three acre fire and just be like, "There you go, good luck." Wow, wow. So then they got to cut around it. That's amazing. That sounds like just it almost sounds like a death wish, but you have to be so passionate to you know, take on that job. That's crazy. Yeah, there's been a few movies about you know wildland firefighting. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'm, yeah, and I'm not I'm not impressed at all. But there is one called uh only the brave it's it's fairly new it's a it came out probably 17 2017 or so okay you need to check it out it's it's highly highly recommended it's about the yarnell hill fire and yeah it's um it's pretty accurate and i'm not going to spoil anything for you but it's pretty heartbreaking too but it gives you a glimpse of what can really happen and it's like i said it's pretty accurate highly recommended what was the name of that movie one more time? Only the Brave. Only the Brave. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'll check that out. Josh Brolin 
and uh, a few more guys. Actually, right. my um, my partner, he ended up with one of the fire packs that the guys wore on that movie. He bought it. At, he found it at auction and ended up with it. And he wears it. <laughs> nice. Pretty neat. Hell yeah. Why not? Shoot, yeah. that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. So let's go ahead. You know, let's let's dive back. So just a little bit further back, what got you into knife making in general? Well, um, I always kind of liked working with my working with my hands and stuff. All right. I wasn't never really. Uh, I always knew that an office job wasn't going to be for me. That's why I went to college in. Um, and I actually went into college as a tool and die, you know, because I was a decent little welder and I like running old lathe and stuff like that. But sure. then when I got to college, uh, a couple of my buddies were in forestry. So I was like, I don't want to go over here where I don't know anybody. I'm fixing to go in class with my friends. So I went to class with them. They ended up not even finishing. I ended up graduating. So I went to, in 2006, I went to work with the state for the forestry commission. And I've been a while, and I've been a firefighter ever since. So I've always enjoyed, you know, hands-on stuff like that. And then so in 2018, I quit and went to work on an oil rig as a roughneck for a few years. And gotcha. then COVID hit, got laid off, came back. But I, anyways, I started making knives in uh, probably let me say four years ago. Okay. Something like that. What happened was I had made. Um, I had bought a lathe and started making pins and calls and stuff, just as something to piddle with on the side. Sure. And one one year for uh, for Father's Day, my son bought me a set of handle scales. They just little walnut handle scales, and he said he wanted me to make him a knife. And I said, Chandler, I don't know nothing about making knives. He's like, Well, you watch that forging show all the time. And he's talking about forging mm-hmm. fires. What he was talking about. Right, right. And I was like, Yeah, but that don't mean I know how to make a knife. And then. Right after he gave me that, I saw uh, Neil Camimora, I believe it was him, he won it with, like, the minimal tools, like basic tools, like hardly nothing. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that he um, he said that he learned by watching Jay Nielsen's DVDs. Mm. So I Googled and, and was going to order that DVD, and I looked, and this is this is really strange, but the guy that makes and produces Jay Nielsen's DVDs, which he does them for a lot of more people. He does them for Steve Schwarzer. Uh, he's made all kinds of DVDs. Lives about 20 minutes from my house. Yo, what are the chances of that? Yeah. So his, wow. his name's Chris. Yeah, his name's Chris Crawford. Chris Crawford knives, and he makes amazing pocket knives. I mean, his 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 knives are. Yeah, him and Derek Melton were childhood friends. They were best friends. That's how I met Derek. Was through kind of through him. So. Nice. Um, and I, I emailed him, and I was like, hey, I'm trying to get into, I wanted to see what it would take to get into knife making. I would like to you know, purchase a DVD, and, and he invited me over to his shop, chatted for a while. I got a DVD from him. He actually gave me a few things to get started, like some kale wool. Wow. He told me how to make a forge and all this, and it was it's just been snowballed from there. But you know how fast it goes out of control. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a forest fire, you you get one little spark, and all of a sudden you're you're you know, you're in it. It it is yeah. what it is. Like it, it just will it'll it'll all consume you if you if you have a passion for it. That's it. And it, it, well, I made that first one, and it looked horrible. But when I made it, I was so proud of it. Like it, it was just like it was. I was like, wow, I actually made this. 
right. then I took it I took it to him and he asked me I'll never forget this. He asked me, he said, Are you proud of it? And I was like, Yeah, I'm proud of it and he said, Well, um, is there anything wrong with it? Do you, can you find anything wrong with it? And I said, <laughs> Yeah, I see plenty wrong with it. He said, What and he handed it back. He said, Bring me one that um when you can't find anything wrong with it, then bring me one. Oh, wow. And I give him one at Blade Show that I couldn't find anything wrong with. That's the first time. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. That is that is an awesome story. It's awesome that, you know, a big shot like him is is so willing to put forth time and effort to help you along the way. Right. What a yeah. what a great connection. That's awesome. Yeah, super good dude. I I don't know that I would not that I'm anywhere right now, but I don't know that I'd be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for him. He's he was super helpful. You gotta love the knife making community. People big and small just help so, we're so damn helpful. It's almost like to a detriment. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's what that's the thing about knife making. It's you know, when I've done did other little things like call making and stuff, everybody was like clickish and so like oh that's that's my thing you stole my thing but in knife making there is no it's like there is no secrets everybody wants like if you there's been multiple times i've messaged people even you and been like you know how did you or do you know how to do this or you know i've been trying this and i can't figure it out sure and everybody is always so helpful they want to help they want to see everybody else succeed and that's that's what's amazing about this community there's no other community like it there's really not yeah i mean it's it I think maybe some of it is that we're all thieving bastards and we're all stealing each other's stuff so much <laughs> that we've all just realized, like, there's no sense in even getting worked up about, you know, somebody doing this that I've done because, you know, there's a thousand people before you that's done it the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. I think I heard somebody say at one time that you can only make a, a pointy thing so many different ways. Right, <laughs> right, right. But, and yet, you look at, you look at these knives and... You take any of your knives. If the two of us just started making the exact same knife, you put them side by side, and they almost won't look the same. No, it's just and then the next the one style will look totally crazy. different. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you started off by watching Fortune Fire because, or your your son said that you were watching Fortune Fire and prompted you to make a knife, and then you got on the show. Yeah, that was that was pretty wild. That is wild. Tell us all. Tell me all about that. I kind of put in for it as a joke because I'd only been making knives for like a year, two years, whenever I put in for it. And I saw that they were casting, and I told my wife, I said, I'm fixing to put in for this. Watch this. Just like as a joke. And sure. then next thing you know, they were, I think what got me on was my backstory, really. Mm. Because, and my back, and the, um, the casting lady, she said she really liked my handle work. She thought my handle work kind of stuck out because then I was doing a lot of, like, burls and hybrids and stuff like that. Sure. But handles have always been something I really concentrated on because, you know, without if you can't hold on to it or if it hurts your hand, then it's not doing any good. Do you think that comes from your background in, like, lathing and woodwork? Like you know, I never thought about it like that. But, yeah, that's that's very possible, I guess. If you're if you're already used to doing, you know, especially like you said, you you were turning on pens and whatnot, right? Right. Yeah. I yeah. I think with pens, you know, it's all about thinking about how the ergonomics is and how it's going to feel in your hand and making sure that everything is smooth and comfortable and looking good. 
you know, I almost wonder if that is why your handles are so iconic and so clean because you have the background of specifically thinking about how the the tool that you're making interacts with your hand. Huh. Yeah. I, I, I never really thought about it like that. But I know I do pay more. I, I do know that I pay more attention to, uh, like, grind line, like sand lines and stuff. There is – you will not – find a sand line or a grind line in my handles because I hand sand them. I leave the grinder at like 220 and then I start hand sanding to get every single little line out. That's just a pet peeve of mine. I can't stand it. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's why you're above and beyond. Like that's that's why <laughs> that's why your stuff is is what it is. Well, I appreciate that, man. I so let's talk about your experience on Forge and Fire because I mean you kind of had a rougher go than than the average the average customer. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was uh, it it was it was interesting to say the least. Which they told me going in, or they didn't tell me, but I knew going in that they were like, you know, you're going to be in the Jay Nielsen episode, and I think they kind of picked me for that because I, um, you know, I, I said I learned from his DVDs, so mm. I think that's how I got picked for that. And then we get there, and, you know, they, they don't let you know anything before. So, I mean, whenever the reveal and all that you, that you see on TV, that's when you figure out what, when we figure out what we're going to make. So, I was, somebody had, I'd seen a screenshot or something of my face whenever he, you know, showed us that and then said that we were going to have to make canister, which is, canister's tough, but if you know what you're doing, it's not that bad. And then we had to peel the can, and oh, that was the peel in the can is what killed me because that killed my plant. Yeah. And one of the things that I said in an interview, and, I, and it got cut, was, um, you know, how every time, you know, you always have a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think Mike, Mike Tyson said that. So everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And I said, well, Jay Nielsen just punched me in the face. And I was like, Aww. I just knew that was going to make TV, but they cut it for some reason. Why the hell would they cut that, of all things? I don't know. I rehearsed it. I rehearsed it the night before because I knew something like that was coming. And I was like, man, this is going to be good. But then they cut uh, it. Oh, man. <laughs> Come on. That would have been but, iconic. Yeah, but anyways. And then we got to doing all that, and and uh, everything just kind of went to shit. My can just welded solid as a rock. And then I ended up grinding, trying to grind my can off. Ended up leaving a little bit of it on there, yeah. and it was just that was not a normal blade at all to forge. Right. Well, first of all, let's back up just a second for the people who are listening. Which episode in season are you on on Forge and Fire? It was season eight, and I believe episode thirty-six. There's some kind of discrepancy with those episode numbers, but it is the uh, uh, Judges Challenge Jay Nielsen episode. Is the right. one. Right. And yeah. uh, what what was the blade they made you work on? Because that's ridiculous. It was a serpentine push dagger. What in the hell? I like, have no... I have, I no have watched I have watched a lot of Fortune Fire. That is by far the hardest combination. First of all, making canister, and then turning around and needing to make a serpentine push dagger. Oh my god. Yeah. Something that has a two-inch curve. I actually have... I don't know if I was supposed to do this or not, but they after they um, reveal what you're going to make, uh, they give you, you know, right then, you know, they cut, and then you go and you have a meeting with uh, the producers and all that that goes over the um, all the, the uh, parameters. They go over all the parameters with you to make sure everybody understands the parameters. 
Mm. And then they give you a sheet of paper that has it on it, has the actual, it has the, the blade drawn on there and the parameters and everything on it. And I actually folded up that piece of paper and kept it. And mm. then when I got home, I emailed Jay Nielsen through his website. And I said, hey, man, if I send you this, will you sign it and, and get back to me? And he signed it. And I, I've got I've got it hanging on the wall in, <laughs> in my whole Good for right you, now. man. That is a keepsake. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, so pretty cool. Because we were, we were there in uh, March of 21, 2021, 20, mm -hmm. and it was smack in the middle of COVID. So you right. can imagine what COVID in New York City was like. It, oh, and my they God. Were, yeah. The, yeah. So they, they kind of kept us, and everybody else that I've talked to that's been on the show before were like, man, y'all kind of got robbed because – we couldn't really hang out with a contestant. Like, there was a green room that everybody else went to the, the episodes before, and all the contestants would hang out and, and all that, but there was none of that. They kept all of us separate. Mm. There's like one trailer that with four rooms in it, and we all, you know, we, we would just we'd be able to come out and sit at the table, you know, whenever they would let, when they tell you to, but they kind of kept us all separate, and we couldn't really chat a whole lot during it, but we would like talk through the hallways. But you were mm. mic'd up. When you get there, they take your phone, cell phone from you and mic you up. Mm. I don't think I'm saying anything that violates NDA. I don't. I don't <laughs> well, you know, but, it's yeah, fine. It's, I'm not saying anything. Yeah, there's nothing. But we're good. But they mic you up. Okay. And um, so you have a mic on the entire time you're there, and they tell you not to talk about certain things. They, like, don't discuss the, anything outside of, you know, when you're not on set, don't be discussing stuff like that. And if okay. you would say something you wasn't supposed to, you might get a knock on your door. Sure. <laughs> they were sitting there listening to every word you said. Wow. That's yeah. a little creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what the hell? Even like when you're when you're in your own quarters and all that type of stuff? Yeah, yeah, they listen That's every second. Weird. That's super bizarre. I would have never thought about that. Mm-hmm. And is it is it just for like you know making sure that you guys aren't colluding to okay right well. yeah yeah that that's what it is it's just I mean it's not like they're sitting there you know spying on you or anything but yeah it's it's just to make sure that you know everything goes how it needs to go you know okay. you're not sitting there like you said you're not sitting there you know plotting with other guys or anything like that okay all right that's. That's bizarre. I, I I haven't heard that side of things. That's that's really really out there for sure. For sure. Yeah, there's there's a lot that that goes on. The thing that was kind of hard to get used to, and everybody can say what they want about, oh, why why did they do this or why did they do that or until you get there, mm. and you have that time clock bearing down, and Grady's yelling, you know, every thirty minutes, you know, at the time and all that. Right. You're not in your shop. You don't know where anything is. You don't have the tongs you used to. You don't. The, the forge is different than what you're used to. You know your anvil might not be the same as where where it was. You know to your forge, and then until you when you get thrown out of your element and something that you're used to doing, and then they expect you to to perform. It's it it, it it's a it, it's 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 something. That's all about all I can say. Yeah, for sure. I, I can feel a very small version of that because I, I recently did a video where I I basically I'm doing a collaboration with a couple other people. I, I 
I guess by November it's it's already out there, but um so basically this this collaboration we're all making the exact same knife right down to the very detail. And I decided, well shoot, why don't I make this in the style of Forged and Fire? Give myself two hours to start and two or two hours to get up through heat treat and then two hours to finish. And uh, you know, I even even in my own shop with with materials that I know and all of the, you know, my my comfort of my own shop and not having people yelling at me. Yes, I have I have the the time clock com- counting down and I have my camera guy following me around all the time. But even in that situation, I made a couple really stupid mistakes that you wouldn't make if there wasn't a clock on you. Exactly. And yeah. that's that's just the nature of things. That's why that show is so entertaining. And you know, people people can argue whether it's good or bad for, you know, you know, you don't see everything. You don't see the intricacies. It, you know, you kind of get the people in the public get the impression that knife makers can make a knife in, you know, two, three, four hours, right. which, which, you know, kind of, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to things, but you can't argue with the fact that it has, it has been a net positive because how many people got into knife making, how many people have, you know, really dedicated themselves to this craft that wouldn't have otherwise because this show popularized this this craft oh exactly there's and it's and it's the show that which people can say what they want like you said yeah it's in its ninth season and it's probably not going to last much longer but it's making its own contestants right you right, know you is. know i mean if people like like me people if, if i'd have never watched that show there's a 99 percent chance i'd have never made enough exactly. you know it's just and I'm sure I'm not the only one. And there's multiple people like that. So, I mean, it's making its own contestants, which, yeah, there's only so many competitions that you can do. And, yeah, of course it's going to be repetitive. But still, it's – you see, there's, there's a new batch coming every year. There's a new batch of people every year. And they're just yeah. waiting, for, waiting for the opportunity to say that, you know, to, to compete. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So a little bit of a spin-off of that was this uh this Forge and Fire grudge match situation you did. That that was a that was up in Tennessee, right? Yeah, I was in Pigeon Forge. Um yeah. Robbie Bowman, he was on the show, I think he's done it a few times. Robbie Bowman has a shop up there called Iron Mountain Metalcraft and I, this is the 5th year I believe that he's done this. And, but what he does at that Iron Mountain Metalcraft is he does a, a Forge of Memory kind of deal, which there's a few other guys that do it in other parts of the nation too. Um, but he does a thing called Forge of Memory, and what it is, you can go in there for I don't know how much, but you can make a knife out of a horseshoe or a, a spike or something like that. I think most of them done is horseshoes. Sure. And then they, um, you forge it out, and then there's guys that work for him standing there, and they put an edge on it and stick it in a sheath for you and there you go you got a knife that you uh that you and I, I forgot the amount of people he said he runs through there but it is insane which yeah, pigeon forge so, is a huge huge uh tourist town anyways you know so, so i have a little bit of experience with that because when i when i forged out the sword for the fantasy challenge i did it up in mackinac city up at chad osborne's shop which is a part of forge of memory yeah i met chad he was there yeah, I was, I was going to bring that up because Chad's an awesome dude. I, I, I had a great time just sitting and talking to him between, you know, all the different processes and whatnot. Yeah, Chad, uh, let me see, uh, Joey, Joey, what's Joey's last name? 
I I went against him up there one time. Got a big yeah. long gray beard. Sadly, I'm, hey, I'm trying to anyway, too. I'm sorry, but he's got he he's got a forge of memory deal too. I can't believe yeah. I can't remember his his last name. I feel bad now. Super nice it's guy. All right. <laughs> but there's there's multiple of them. There's there's a few of them around. But yeah, I met Chad. He was there. But yeah, it was a it was a good time. There was I don't know how many of us there was there, but it was a good bit. Man, talking to him and seeing his shop, you know, it's it's still basically. It's it's just a little touristy area, Mackinac City, up by Mackinac Island, Mackinac Bridge, yeah, whatever, top of Michigan, top of the uh, lower peninsula of Michigan, and uh, basically, like you said, people come in and they choose. You can either make it out of a, a a nail, like this this large nail. You can do it out of half a horseshoe, or you could do a railroad spike. And there's different, you know, there's different prices for each and a different amount of, you know, work that goes into them. So like the little kids normally do nails and yada, yada, yada. Um, but just sitting there that he had it set up so that half the shop was doing that. And the other half of the shop was kind of more of a production side where we were working and making Damascus and, you know, forging the sword and whatnot. And I mean, I was there for two 10 hour sessions and I, it had to have been, damn near 100 people I saw go. No, it had to have even been more than that. It was crazy. It was constantly people coming in and forging. Yeah. it's. I mean, it, people love doing little stuff like that, and that's a perfect little keepsake. You know, you go back, and you're like, hey, I made this. Now, is it like, you know, a, a knife that you can use every single day until the day you die? You know, probably not, but it sure will cut by the, when you get it. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And like you said, it's a perfect keepsake, and it also... I'm sure just like Fortune Fire did to, for a lot of people, those little experiences like that could turn on that maker switch for a little kid coming in, pounding on a nail, making a knife. And who knows? Those might turn into knife makers somewhere down the line. Yeah, definitely. definitely. That's so cool. I've, I've done a few classes for mostly for kids down here in the shop like that, kind of like a not really a knife making 101, but more like a me walking you through making your first knife. And one of them, their dad, or, or multiple, nearly all of them, the parents have messaged me and be like, hey, I've, I'm seeing more out of my son than I've ever seen. You know, this is something, you know, it kind of lit a fire under him as far as maker-wise. One of them actually went as far as to making his own forge and all that and started, starts beating, and he's beating on metal right now. So that's that was pretty awesome. I mean, what more can you ask for? I mean, that's, I would... Yeah. For kids like that, any time that they're working with their hands instead of playing on video games or whatever else, I mean, that, that it's it's a positive change in their life. That's for damn sure. Yeah, love to see it. Love to see it. So hey, I'm right before I forget. Back up, kind of to the Forge and Fire deal. Sure, sure. I had a, when I was there. You know, we film in uh, Connecticut. Stanford, Connecticut is is where you film at, but it's only like an hour away from New York City. All right, I had a day to kill. So, you know, there's a knife maker that grew up in Manhattan that lives <laughs> in New York. We can say his name. Come on, man. So, <laughs> Je- so, did you do the full Jeff Fader tour through New York? I may or may not have been one of the originators of that. Yo! <laughs> That's awesome. I, I mean, I'm not going to say I was the first, but... I think I was the second. <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's cool. But I had an awesome time. I really did. I went, uh, walked down the highway. I mean, I, and, and and Jeff was was awesome. He 
as soon as I messaged him, he said, dude, what's your phone number? And he called me right then, and and, and, and he was, you could tell he was just lit up. He was like, yeah. man, I've got you. You're going to have the greatest time. Like, he laid out the entire day. It was like, all right, you got to go down here and do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. But I walked down the High Line. I saw the Statue of Liberty, saw the 9-11 Memorial. I ate pizza at some hole-in-the-wall pizzeria that he said I can't leave without eating, which was okay. amazing. Was it the yeah, best a, pizza you ever had? It was pretty good. It, it, it okay. was. It was pretty good. Which in New York pizza is different than, you know, pizza down here that's, you know, just smack full of cheese and big, thick and all that. Sure, but, sure. yeah, it was very good. It was extremely good. And they had their own little craft beers there, and I had one or two of them. Yeah, it was it was really good. I had yeah. a, enjoyed it. And growing up in the south, you know, and I'm in Mississippi, which is you can't get no further south, really, I don't guess. And we always heard, you know, don't go to New York City. It's a shithole. Don't go there. Everybody's asses. Just don't. Just stay away. You know, we're not used sure. to big towns like that at all. Sure. You know, I live in the country. I deer hunt behind my shop. You know, I live, I live in the country. And then I went, and yeah, there was people, but I had a great time. I'd go back. I had a real good time. Just walking around the city. You don't have to drive anywhere. You can walk or take the subway wherever you want to. I thought that was pretty neat. But yeah, I had a blast. I enjoyed it. See, here's the thing with those types of experiences. Like I, I go to Chicago every once in a blue moon, and you know, I, I also grew up in the country, dirt roads. You know. At, at most you have a two-way highway you know like that's that's where i grew up as well cornfields hunting fishing all that f- type of fun stuff um yeah. so i also do enjoy going into a city but it's in like you can't get too much like if you if you're there for a week for me i it's too much you know you get overstimulated it's it's like you know it's 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 a culture shock and it's it's good to go out there and try something new every once in a while oh yeah for sure yeah for That's sure. The, you gotta, it's like cool. You, you got to try really something. Cool. Yeah. So speaking of hunting and fishing and all that fun stuff, I wanted to talk about your logo. You did something totally different than I normally – like Like my logo is just my signature with knives on the – well, not quite my signature, but like a stylized version of my stick signature with knives on the bottom in a in an oval. Most people do like their name with a blade under it or, you know, there's so many – you know, kind of not quite cookie cutter, you know, logos, but what most knife makers go to. I love the fact that yours is so unique. It's, you know, with the, with the antler and the ducks and the, you know, the, the reeds or the, the dude, it's just, it's, it's interesting. I love the fact that you thought to do something out of the box. What, what brought you to that? Well, it's actually the logo that I kind of made for myself when I was doing calls and stuff, when I was doing calls and pins and stuff, I wanted, because I was doing uh, deer grunt calls and a few duck calls, so I was like, let me kind of incorporate them too. And so it kind of just, that was what I came up with. I was like a deer antler and some and some ducks would look good. So I kind of came up with that, and then I just ran with it, it, and I just kept it. And now I use it as a logo. If you'll look, if you pay attention on my what I call my stock blades, um, that's why I've, I'll put that logo on all of those, but I'll put my signature on what I call, you know, kind of my signature series, which is my higher end stuff, you know, all, all of my forge stuff and my, anything that I, you know, put extra time in hand, hand finish and all that stuff. So there's gotcha. kind of two different, kind of two, like if you look at one, you're like, okay, that's just, 
that's a that's a stock blade, and the other one you're like, okay, well that's 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 a custom or whatever. That's another intelligent thing you're doing because that gives it gives the customers a collectability because you know they they need they get in on the ground floor getting one of your stock ones and they get the regular logo on the side, but you know when they come back they gotta they gotta get the fancy stuff and you know drop a little right. extra dime on it because they want to get your signature stuff. Right. Yeah. Damn. And, <laughs> and, and a lot of well, a lot of people. The, I think the I need to change the what I call it because us. It's kind of like that old movie, Days of Thunder, or whenever, um, the, shit, what's his name? Anyways, when what's-his-name tells Tom Cruise, you know, there's nothing stock about a stock car. Well, there's nothing stock about a stock knife, you know. It's the only thing, I call him a stock knife because I get them, I have a few of my designs I took to a guy, and he cuts them out on a laser CNC. Sure. And so I've just got a pile of, of shapes over there. When I get an order for a stock blade, I'll go over there and I have to clean up the profile, heat treat it, grind it, scale it, and everything else. So it's just like making a stock removal knife, but the shape's already cut for you. That's the only yeah, thing. Yeah, I wouldn't even call that like a – I mean, I maybe you would call it production. It's not mid-tech because you're still – you're all you're not doing is, is cutting it out of the piece of steel. And that's – that's I mean, that's – Yeah, to a, steal train, a train monkey can do that. <laughs> right, that's what I was gonna say. To steal a term from uh, Jeff Fader, that's monkey work. That's that's unskilled yeah. labor that you're you're yeah. taking out. That's just smart. Oh yeah, it's, it's a huge time saver. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know, I I always use the steak flipper that you sent sent out to me, um, and it has your your you know horn logo on it. What do you call that logo? Is it is it your stock logo or is it like the horn logo? It's just I just call it the logo. Okay. Now well, I, I love quit. the fact. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying I I quit doing. I I found my bottleneck on making those steak turners was actually etching that logo in. So now mm. I got a, um, I bought a stamp, a hot stamp, mm -hmm. but it's got my my uh, with my my signature on it. So now I'm hot stamping on the steak turner just because it saves so much time. Yo, so I've got kind of a you know limited run with your with your logo on it. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of them. Yeah, Damn. From the rest of them, the rest <laughs> of them are, the rest of them have my signature on. Man, what what's crazy is that I I spend so much I I have used that thing so many times. Just you know, whether it's flipping steaks or chicken or you know anything, I've I've even I flipped a hot dog with it. I'm I'm not you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe it was just because I just got it and I was excited to use it, but yeah, I. It's it's so useful. I love the fact that it's made out of a railroad spike and it's super long. Um, pretty shortly after you made that for me and sent it over, I tried to hand hammer one out myself, and I literally spent hours trying to taper that damn thing down, and it didn't come out to maybe two thirds the length of yours. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the one you sent me a picture of, and I I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> But I'm going. No, say it. Come on now. <laughs> Remember, you sent me a picture of that, and I said, "Well, that's one of the few times I can say mine's bigger than yours." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little emasculating put my, putting mine next to yours. Oh, sure. that power that power hammer, man! God, it's it's amazing. It's so amazing. What kind of power hammer do you got? I've got a tire hammer. I built it in a. I went to a class. In, uh, at uh, John Perry Lou's shop in Louisiana last November. And it's a Clay Spencer 
tire hammer, uh, Samuel and Curtis Herman, they built them and they put the put the class on down there, and then we built twenty three of them, I think. And the way that works is you just you pay you pay you know for the entry for the class, and then when you get there, you know Curtis has uh, you know a big trailer pulled up with all the parts. They have all the parts cut out, the rams machined, everything is right there ready to go. So everybody just goes to work, and he kind of runs it and tells everything. You have little stations where different things are being done, and at the end of three days, there's twenty something tire hammer sitting there ready to go. Wow. It's really That's neat. Amazing. Yeah, and I, if if you're looking into getting one, I'd I'd highly recommend one of those build classes because whenever you leave, you, if you want to, you could take that entire hammer apart and put it back together. You know, because right. you know how to you you know what it's supposed to do. You know what goes where. And it's it's it's, it's pretty neat. I'd, I'd really recommend one of those classes. Having the inside knowledge of building one and knowing how things work, and if something fails, you can fix it yourself and not even have to think twice about it. Man, right, that, yeah. that is that is a hell of a thing. That's for sure. And it's all fabricated, you know, because so that means if anything breaks on it, you can get a replacement one made. There you go. You don't have to. It's not like. You know, you have to call, and they're like, oh, we don't have that part in stock. It's going to take two years to get it. You know, you can just <laughs> any, – any decent welder or decent fabricator can make anything on that hammer. So that's what go. that's a great thing about it. There it is. There it is. So let's go ahead and step back one, one – uh, actually, there's a couple conversations ago. With this Pigeon Forge uh, grudge match, what all did you do up there? What was What was the competition? Well, what we would do is um, it's kind of just a friendly competition deal. The way they did it is they let us all set up a booth, so we had uh, you know blades for purchase and stuff, and then they had a trailer set up, and it had two forges, two anvils, and all that. So what they would do is anybody who wanted to could call somebody else out and be like, okay. "Hey, you know, do you want to do you want to go up?" So we go and make most of them were out. Uh, uh, Ray Kirk was there, and he um, had brought a bunch of 52100 that he had already kind of pre-flattened. So it was 5200 round stock, and he had already pre-flattened just a little bit of it so that you wouldn't have to be sitting there beating on the blade. Sure. So he, he took his power hammer and just flattened the part out, so the blades already kind of started. So we would just make blacksmith knives out of those. You okay. take like, I think he'd give us like 30 minutes or something like that. Wow. And then after we did it, you know, when you got done with it, you hold it up, and the crowd would cheer, and whoever, you know, they would pick the winner off of that, and then they would draw for them, like they would. Everybody got uh, raffle tickets, mm. and then you would stand there and pull one out, and somebody in the crowd would get that knife that we just forged out, right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and wow. they could take it over there to Robbie's shop, and I think for like ten bucks, he let them. Uh, he he would uh, finish. They'd finish the knife out, and then put it in a sheath for them. So yeah, a lot of people ended up going home with some, with some neat little trinkets. That is a cool competition. That's I mean, it's it's quick. It's thirty minutes, so the crowd can be there the entire time and not is you know you, you do an hour long process and people are ah well I'm gonna go yeah. grab a bite to eat and they're they've only watched half and you know oh the crowd isn't that big so I'm not gonna stop. It's not that you know that's it's yeah. it's a really it's it's a smart competition. That's really cool. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty neat, and it's kind of the same. You're kind of out of your element, the same as I was talking about on Forge and Fire. You know, it's you get up there, which I brought my own hammer, but 
you know, you right. get up there using different tongs and different stuff, and you're in front of a crowd. So they're sitting there watching everything you do, so you're just sitting there like, God, I hope I don't fuck up. <laughs> but one that time I cool. actually, the first time I went up, I burned it three times. Burned it completely. Just like well, I laid it on the anvil, and it fell apart. Next time oh, I put geez. it in, I put it up there, and I touched it, and it fell. Because 52100 is it's finicky, you know. Yeah. It don't yeah. like to be worked too hot. It don't like to be worked too cold. I was going to say, why the, hell you guys, why the hell are you guys doing 52100? Why not like a 1084 or something <laughs> a little more easy? Yeah, well, Ray Kirk has a pile of 52100, and that's just what he's always used. Plus, we were in like direct sunlight, so you know how fun that is. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Oh, man. But it was, it was all in good fun. It was an amazing sure. place. I, I'll go, I'd go back in a heartbeat. Sure. Speaking of going back, I guess you have another grudge match coming up in Alabama. What's going on with that thing? Or at the USS yeah. Alabama? Yeah, at the in Mobile at the USS Alabama. It's like a battleship park. There, um, it's it's a grudge match that a guy puts puts on every year. I think this is his second year to do it. It's December the third, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the same deal. But I think you actually this is my first year doing it. But I think you actually make a full knife. Like you may maybe wrap the handle or something like that, but I think you sure. get a few years. I mean, a few years, a few hours, two or three, <laughs> two or three hours. Talk a about few hours the, is what I was trying to say. Talk about a crowd getting listless. Few years, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> but yeah, and they're, I think they're actually doing a few classes the day before. If okay. I let, let me pull it up here, it's, yeah, Billy Salyers is doing one. Uh, Britt Barnes is doing one, and Brian Easterling. So sure. they're doing a few, like, forging demos and stuff. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, too. It's my first year doing it, but um, it's a it's kind of go to his nonprofit, the Blacksmith Experience. It kind of helps out veterans and, and all that. Yeah. Really, really cool deal. It's helping out veterans, huh? Yeah. It's, yeah, he's, I think he, I'm not 100%. Now, like I said, this is my first deal with it, but I think he, he brings in vets and stuff to, uh, you know, to forge and, and just to, to help them out and just something to tell them thank you. Right, right. What more could you want in a competition? you got to support that, guys. Come yeah, on. for real. So if anybody's I, I around the Alabama area, um, you said it's at the USS Alabama Park. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in Mobile, so it's on the coast. Okay. December the 3rd. Go December and check this thing out, guys. That's That's going to be a cool competition for sure. Yeah, there's going to be a, a good bit there. I know uh, me, Brian Easterling, who's a Forge and Fire guy, a real good friend of mine too, great blacksmith, bladesmith. He lives in Mississippi. Seth Boris, same blacksmith, I mean, uh, Forge and Fire guy, Mississippi. Randy Caston will be there. Um, and all these are Forge and Fire guys, all of them are. And Randy Caston, Josh Howard, uh, I'm just to name off just a few. That's all the ones off the top of my head. But there's sure. supposed to be... 10 or 15, I'm pretty sure. That's cool, man. That's that's going to be a cool competition. Well, yeah, it's going to be a cool competition. That's going to be really cool for sure. So just to get through, you know, you've got another big competition. Man, you've got a lot of things on your slate this year. Yeah, with i got the a last, lot going on. With the last blade standing, what's going on with that situation? That is something else that is, is fairly new. I think this is the third time doing it. This will be my second time competing in it. And it started as a, um, on TikTok, it started as a, uh, uh, just a friendly competition deal on TikTok, and it kind of exploded. 
And this, I, I competed this past year, but uh, I don't do a lot on TikTok. It's kind of dumb, if you ask me. But I, I try to put stuff on there. I had one video just explode on there and had like 1.5 million views. Yeah. And it was, let me tell you how dumb TikTok is. It was me, as soon as I got my power hammer in the shop, I was playing with it, and I picked up a beer can and stuck it in there and smashed it, and it just smashed it flat. Sure. And a, and my neighbor was who helped me unload it was standing there and recorded it. I put that on TikTok and put some rock music to it, and it got 1.5 million views. That's a crazy thing. Like with Brian House, with his um, where he's forming the the housing for his ribbon burners, where it literally all it is is a press just pushing down into a form and the steel folding. Like it's it's those simple things that most people do not see in their normal everyday life. That, you know, they see a knife and like, oh, well, that's a knife. I can understand that. And they they flip past where you see something, you know, dynamic, like a, a bot or a, a can being crushed and a power hammer. That's that's something you don't see every day. But so, nobody knew what it was. Everybody thought it was this big, huge can crusher. <laughs> <laughs> so they that's thought how... that it was specifically for crushing cans. That's how dumb people are. They thought it was a damn can crusher. And all of my comments were like, well, it's going to use more electricity than it is to save one can. And I was like, are you serious? Come on now. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, and then the comments went from that to maybe I should call her to it, it got. What? Yeah. The, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The comments went out of hand real yeah. quick. Well, that's a thing with all social media right now, it seems like. The thing that defines whether you're going to explode or not is whether people are commenting. Because if people are commenting and making fun of each other or, you know, making fun of you or whatever, that's what, you know, the interactions are what just explodes everything right now, which which sound, which is stupid, but, you know, it is what it is for sure. Hey, Honor Keglar is the king yeah. when it comes to that. Yes, king. he is. Absolute, Absolute king. king. Because, I mean, and he'll get them going. Like, he'll start messing with them, and everybody's like, man, these people are just ragging you. And he's like, hey, man, that's content. You know, they're, right. they're, that's engagement. Right. I love I love watching his videos and I, and reading the comments and watching him just, man, he gets, a, he gets those folks so mad. And the matter he gets them, the more they comment. So that's just exactly. more engagement. So he's a exactly. genius. Exactly. See, I tried to I tried to funnel a little bit of owner Kaglar and I made a TikTok where I was showing off one of those little nano cleavers where like it's a inch and a half blade total. So it's like a little little thing that you wear around on a necklace. And I was just showing the thing off and it basically just had asked, you know, what would you pay for this? And I got so many people saying like two bucks or one dollar at the dollar store, maybe, or like, you know, a used <laughs> condom and a pack of gum. You know, and just, and then I would turn around and like roast them back and like, you know, try to, and that video went a lot better than anything else that I've put out in a long time. And it's just, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's also kind of fun because like those people are saying like, I, I would, I would give you a used condom and a pack of gum. Those people are never going to be your customer. No, so, you never. know, it's, it's not like you're losing anybody on it and you're having a little fun with it. Never. Yeah. Like you said, they're, they're not going to buy anything. You can right. weed those out pretty quick. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but you know, it's it's just a fun little pastime while you're you're waiting on something heating up in your forge or whatever. Oh yeah, while you're sure. actually being productive. <laughs> but yeah, but to go back to the last place data deal, it um, 
they're actually streaming over like YouTube and everything now because you know how TikTok is about uh, the first video I ever put up on TikTok, it just immediately got deleted because it was me yeah. holding a knife, showing it off or something. Yeah. But um, they're going to stream it over to over YouTube and all that. I think this year there's forty something people competing. They've actually got Ben Abbott competing in this one, so it's going to be. So yeah, everybody be bringing that. Better be bringing that A game. The parameters. <laughs> the parameters just came out the other day. We can't officially start until the fifteenth, but okay. the uh, the parameters just came out the other day, and we're going to be making swords. Swords. Yeah, I think oh, that's about God. all I can say. God, yeah, I'm. So you had, you know, kind of invited me to to try to get myself in with it. I am so glad I didn't, honestly, because <laughs> I just finished that sword and it was such a long process and it like completely took over my shop for like literally like a month and a half. It it was yeah. all I worked on, and like <laughs> I don't think I can jump into another sword right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think it's gonna be like a small sword. I don't know. I don't remember the exact dimensions. I could look, but. Yeah, Look, go ahead. Why not? I hadn't, I hadn't made my, um, I hadn't made my mind up exactly what I'm gonna make yet. I'm thinking okay. I might do kind of like a. I've always wanted to make a, um, like a claymore. Ooh. You know, because yeah. I've growing up huge Braveheart fan. You know, the big right. Braveheart sword. That's a little longer than what we're supposed to, but I could make like a shortened down version of a claymore. I think I might do that. Go ahead and look up those parameters because, this, like I said before, this thing doesn't come out until the second week of November. So, you know, I'm sure all of this will be public by then. Okay. All right. Yeah, 19 to 22 inch blade and 5 to 8 inch handle, less than 27 okay. inches overall. So, yeah, it's not, okay. not huge. All right. All right. I mean, that's still enough to make something really cool. It's, it's short sword for sure, but definitely more than I can do right now. <laughs> Thank God, you know, I, I was, I was about to be gung ho about it and get into it because, you know, it's another opportunity, but I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm glad I didn't jump into it. Honestly, it's, it's they such all... a cool, com it's such a cool competition. It's not, I'm not saying that because it's not a cool thing to be a part of. It's just more than I can do right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you're, you're a busy man. Well, you know, maybe. <laughs> so talk about you so you're gonna do a mini claymore on it do you have you really put thought about what all you're gonna do different or what what the processes you're gonna have to work on that you're excited about not really i mean I, that's one of those things i'm i know i'm not gonna do a curved blade ever yeah. since forging and fire i've just curved blades <laughs> yeah. you've got some curved blade ptsd <laughs> because of that show <laughs> scare the piss out of me I just don't. <laughs> and especially when you go to the putting four angles you know on a double-sided curved blade no no yeah screw um, that don't care if i ever do that again yeah Dude, but i did remake I saw... it i do i did remake it i've actually got it laying right here i did remake that blade when i not much after i came back man i saw that it. on your instagram that thing looks fantastic yeah it could have been better but it was it was all I wanted to do. <laughs> so here's the thing: when I was watching your episode on Fortune Fire, when they revealed that that serpentine push dagger, my my mouth dropped just as far as the four of you guys. You know, when I mean the look on your guys' face is so true because that is such a ridiculous thing for them to have you make. It's just amazing. Yeah, I knew it was gonna be. 
I knew it was going to be something wild, but I yeah. was not expecting that at all. Yeah, yeah. You guys definitely got the hardest, like, I've never seen anything worse than that. That's crazy for sure. I'm not going to say it just because I was on it, but it's the hardest first round that I've ever seen. Yeah, but it like, is. not even close, honestly. Not even close. So, before we get going, what... Tell me about what's what's something going on in your shop. I know you've got the last blade standing coming up, but is there anything else in your shop that you're excited to get work on outside of, of course, chasing those fires around? Oh, just shutting. I mean, just chipping down orders is is all I'm yeah. working on right now. I'm actually Wait. shutting down custom orders. Good for I you. I think we've kind of chatted about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good for you. First of all, I imagine that's mainly because you've got so much of your time dedicated to, you know, battling those forest fires and whatnot. Um, yeah, go. I mean, you, you've got enough orders where you've you've got plenty to work on. That's that's a mark of success for sure. Yeah, and I'm, I'm starting to kind of whittle them down. And then when I get all of my custom orders done, what I want to do is take small batches of custom orders you know, like okay. five or so, and do those that way because I mean, I'm, I've got it down to now where it would be fairly quick if I was to open my books back up right now. But, I mean, within six months or so, you know, but here lately I'm just now getting the orders that I took a year ago. And right. you get the people, and then I'm starting to get to some people, and I only take a $50 deposit to get on my books. Mm -hmm. The reason I did that was... I didn't want to take half or so, and but I wanted to get just enough to weed out the people that aren't serious. Right. You know, so that's right. why I only do a you know fifty bucks. I'm like fifty dollar deposit. Right. You know that way if you really want one, you're gonna shell out fifty bucks. You know. Sure. And then, and then now, like I said, I'm just now getting the people from a year ago, and I've had a few kind of not really get mad, but you know, hey, you told me six months and it's been a year, and I'm like, well, I'm sorry. You know, I spent a month and a half chasing fires in Texas this year. You know, I'm, I'm right. sorry. I just, I got, I got behind. Right. Life happens. Well, you know, there's always going to be those customers. If you said six months and you are six months in one day, they would still be pissed. There's just people. Exactly. Like that. That's why I started. That's why I started just saying a year. I say it's just going right. to be a good year. See, that's the thing. You know, that's, that I think is the key to life is, you know, if you think that you can get it done in four months, Tell them, you know, hey, sorry, right now I'm between, you know, six and eight months of a wait time. And then when you get it done in four months, you're a freaking rock star. Yeah. Under promise so, and over deliver. That's, that's, exactly. that's our motto. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, Wesley Crumb, thank you again for sitting down this, for this interview. Um, tell the people, where where can people find you? Everywhere. I'm W. Crumb Bladesmith on everything. I actually just made a new group on Facebook that I'm going to start putting my available blades on when somebody doesn't pick one up or anything called W Crumb Blades. Sweet. So join that. And I'm W Crumb Bladesmith on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of it. YouTube, but I don't put much on YouTube. Well, we'll still check that out too. But yeah, guys, go ahead and check out my buddy Wesley. Go watch his Forge and Fire episode. It is an absolute crazy ride. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, guys, thank you again for listening. I hope you guys all have a fantastic working week. I'm Brian Cohn, hanging out um, with Wesley Crown. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Introduce no, her. No, my bad. Go ahead. Sorry. We're hanging out. We're talking with Wesley Crown. Go and check his stuff out. 
But yeah, guys, hope you guys all have a fantastic week. See you guys later. Appreciate it.